Amen. Church, it is good to be with you. We are starting a brand new series today called Why God. In just a moment, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, digital device, go and flip to Matthew chapter 14. We'll be diving in there in just a moment. One of the things that finds me, I find so fascinating as I read through the scriptures, you see these moments where Jesus is obviously, he's making a point. He's creating these tension moments to uh, bring people along in their faith journey. And one of the, in particular, I've always found very curious is that Jesus talks about until we have the faith like a child. Uh, and, and he's specifically talking to his adult disciples, his adult followers at this moment. But challenge him is that we need to view our faith, we need to view our relationship, that of a child in the way that we connect with our Heavenly Father. And that means that has such profound perspective when it comes to how you and I decide to connect. And I think specifically, like as I've been planning and praying through this series in particular, I began to think about the questions that my children consistently have asked me when they were young. There are certain questions that they would bring up that you just from time to time go, I have no idea. I don't know how to answer that. You know, for instance, when your kid turns to you and goes, Dad, why is the sky blue? I, I don't know. Like, if it was green, we wouldn't know when to stop mowing our yard. I I don't know, honestly, you know. And you find yourself wrestling through these different moments. Like, Dad, why is there cheese on pizza? Because it's good. You you know, there's sometimes it's so basic. And then you're always, as a parent, for those that aren't parents, just prepare yourself. You have that one dreaded question that you're going, I hope my kids never ask me that question because I just don't know how I'm going to answer that, Right? You, you, you wrestle through these things. The, the good news is, and why we're doing this series, questions don't scare God. Like, there are, there are moments in our lives that even as a parent that I'm going, man, I sure hope my kids don't ask me that. Or how am I going to answer it? The good news is there is no question that we could potentially ask God that would surprise him. Uh, he, he's there. He understands. There are questions. There are doubts. There are things that I'm sure you're wrestling with in your own faith journey, your own spiritual journey. And I just want you to know, don't be afraid to ask God that. Uh, at the end of our series, we're going to take some time to actually a- answer and go to the Bible and look for specific answers to some of maybe your biggest questions, some of your deepest wrestles. Um, and so throughout the series, we have a little box back there by the giving standard. Um, again, that's a place to be able to give your offering. We appreciate your, your support of the ministry. At the same time, if you have a question, just find a piece of paper, write down the question, throw it in the box. We're going to be making a list of that at the end of the series. We want this to be a personal series. I know for me in my own faith journey, there have been moments that I've just wrestled going, God, I, I don't get this. Why this? Why now? Why couldn't we have done this a different way? Uh, it was 2012. Some of you know my story, and many of you don't. In 2012, I became a national case study. Um, my left leg exploded. I went in to have surgery. They thought it was just a basic cartilage tear. Um, I was, at that point, competing um, on the pro circuit for mountain biking, and I came back from just a week of riding in Moab, Utah, and decided to take my staff team bowling. I thought, hey, it'd be a fun thing. I wish there was a better story than this. I collapsed on the bowling alley and felt like my left leg exploded. Um, here I am, an athlete, and I, it, bowling is dangerous, just in case you wanted to know. Like, you can get hurt bowling. I'm, I'm proof of that. Went into the doctor. We went in to have surgery. The doctor came out, told my wife. His eyes were about this big, going, I can't help him. There's nothing I can do. I don't, I, you need to come back a week later. 
Came back a week later, out of that became a national case study. My doctor flew to Boston where a couple doctors, orthopedics, best in the world, took 10 cases. Mine was one of those that was chosen. They decided to do this cutting edge surgery. Um, it was January 12th of 2012 that I had that surgery. And uh, it left me three days hospitalized. I get this, I was 12 weeks bedridden. I had a five-year-old, I had a two-year-old, and we had just started a church in Arizona. And uh, I was bedridden for 12 weeks, hooked up to what's called a passive motion machine that slowly moves your leg back and forth for 12 hours a day. Um, there were a lot of wrestles in that moment where I'm sitting there, I have nothing. To, you can only watch so much Netflix, right? And I can remember, like, I, I'm, I'm bored. I'm, I'm laying there. I have nothing but my thoughts. Going, God, why? Why this? Why now? How could anything good come out of this? I had to walk for a br with a brace, a special brace for an entire year, not knowing how this would turn out. We get to the end of the year and find out it didn't work. We just went through all of that, and it didn't work. And now they were talking about amputation. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm going, God, I don't get this. If you want to hear the end of the story, you can talk to me afterwards. But I, there were moments I'm going, God, I, I don't get this. Why? Why this? Why now? And the, the struggle is real. It, it really causes you to come to these moments in your own faith journey going, God, I, I, are you there? Do you care? And my sh I'm sure that each and every one of you, you walk through these moments in your own life during your own spiritual journey going, God, I don't understand this. Why this? Why now? Couldn't we have done this a different way? I want you to know, again, your questions don't scare God. Because our questions don't scare God, it's okay to answer. It's, it's okay to lift those things up to him. And, and I want to encourage you that in your own faith journey, in your own prayer life, when it doesn't make sense, when you're wrestling with doubts, it's okay to tell him. It's okay to say, God, I, I need help in this. And what we're going to take a look at today in Matthew chapter 14 is that God is very present in the midst of even some of the greatest storms that life can throw at us. I became a youth pastor in 1998. Um, I hadn't graduated college, but a church was willing to take, its, uh, take a chance on me, and it was in November of 1998 that I began that journey into vocational ministry. And uh, I started at Trinity Evangelical Free Church in South Bend, Indiana. It was about 10 miles uh, or so from the University of Notre Dame. It was a great place. This church was a great church that was willing to take a chance on a young guy. Um, and I loved it. I loved the opportunities, the open door that now I had the opportunity to begin to practice. And I was excited to be able to just work specifically with teenagers and be full-time focusing on helping them connect the dots in their own faith and see who God was. And and, and six years later, God ended up moving us along out of that ministry, and we moved across country to Arizona, which we felt like God was calling us to start a church there. And I can remember watching this play out in real life. And the, the haunting fact is it hasn't changed. That I was seeing us graduate almost 100 seniors a year out of our youth ministry and watch them just walk away from their faith. Statistically, two out of every three high schoolers stop going to church when they graduate high school. 66%. And the interesting thing is that statistic, when I found out about it in 1998, hasn't really changed now in 2023. 
Why? Because I think some of it is we wrestle with doubts. We wrestle with our questions. We don't necessarily know how to make sense of these moments of life that are hard, the challenges that we face. And sometimes the church doesn't honestly address them either. And so as a result, we wander long enough, then we begin to realize or, or begin to question, is this thing even true? I want you to know, no matter what your doubts are, no matter what your questions, it is very true. And God does care, and God is there. And so I want us to take a look at this this morning. So in Matthew chapter 14, in the passage, to give you a little context of where we're going, the passage right before what we're going to take a look at is the moment which Jesus actually feeds 5,000 people. And he does so with a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. I mean, you talk about a miracle. And the 5,000 is actually, most historians believe that that is actually the count of men. Because children and women at that point weren't necessarily counted in the masses. So this group of people could have been over 10,000 people that had gathered on a mountainside to hear Jesus teach. Jesus has been teaching all day long, which is amazing in itself that people didn't walk away. Um, he was that captivating. And they're hungry. And Jesus ends up feeding all of these people with just a few things. He does an incredible miracle. And then we pick up in this moment, right after that, you talk about being on a high. If you're one of the disciples and you just participated in this and you just watched this take place, like I don't know if you could be any higher on the mountaintop when it comes to your spiritual life, right? I mean, it can't get any better than this. You're just going, I can't believe what we just saw. And there's leftovers, you know? And if you like leftovers, that's a great thing. And then we pick up to this passage in Matthew chapter 14. So I'm going to begin reading in verse 22. Go ahead and follow along with me. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So you got this moment. They're sitting on one side of the lake. Jesus is done. They've done the miracle. Jesus has dismissed his disciples. He's like, Okay, guys, we're done. I'm tired of the crowd time to go. Get in the boat. I'll meet you later. So the disciples get on the boat. Remember, many of them are fishermen. This is a comfortable thing for them to do. So he dismisses the crowd, and after that, he dismissed the crowd. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray, which is very normal for Jesus. I mean, he's just expended a ton of energy. He's loved on the crowd. He's done this miracle. He's had people around him all the time. He just wants to get away, and he wants to spend a little bit of time in prayer. When evening came, he was, he says he was um, there alone. But the boat, by the time, was long away from the land. It was beaten by the waves. For the wind came against them. You got this moment. The disciples are now on the lake. The waves are beginning to pick up. The wind is picking up. It's getting a little bit tumultuous there out on the water. It says, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. I would be too. And said, it is a ghost. And they all cried out in fear. But immediately, I love that, immediately, Jesus didn't let them just sit in the fear. He didn't just let them sit in the midst of the panic. Immediately. Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to 
come out to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning in that moment, beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? There's a couple observations I want to make for us today as we begin our Why God series and how we deal with doubt, how we deal with the storms of life, how this plays a role even in all of our faith journeys as we try to figure out life, we try to figure out what God is doing in these moments. The first thing is this, what we see in this story is that courage is not found in the absence of the storm, but rather in the presence of Jesus. Courage is, is not found in the absence of the storm. Sometimes I think we think we're, we've made it. We can experience peace. Uh, I'll be strong when all of this is taken out of the way. The interesting thing is in this moment, Jesus doesn't take it away at that moment. Our doubts tend to grow as the waves tend to surround us. But don't miss this moment here. Back to, to verse 27. Knowing their fear, Jesus calls out to them, Take courage. Be strong. In other words, it is I, don't be afraid. Jesus' response right here to their fears centers on this incredible statement. It is I. These are the exact words, the term that Jesus often used to claim his own deity. In other words, in this moment, Jesus is saying to the disciples, hey, be brave. You can have courage in the midst of all of this. As all this is playing out, don't be afraid. Why? I am is here. God is here. The creator that created all this, put it all into exactly its place holds it all together just in the palm of his hands. I am is here. You are in the presence of God, even in the midst of the storm, which is a great reminder to all of us. Fear really is unwarranted in the presence of Jesus. And yet, so often we allow fear to grip us and to drive us. You fast forward here. You see Jesus is actually inviting I can't imagine what this moment would be like. It's one of those, like, when I get to heaven, I want to see the replay. Like, what was this like, this moment for Peter? You, you see Jesus inviting Peter to get out of the boat. It's so interesting to me that Jesus invites Peter to come to him, but he didn't call him the storm. There are moments in our life that we think everything, God must be in this when everything is peaceful and calm. This shows us that God can be in something even when it's scary, when we're afraid, when the waves are crashing in, when we don't understand, Jesus is still present. And not only was Jesus present, Jesus was calling Peter to take a step in the midst of that. He invites Peter into the storm, into the rough seas. Jesus never promised us smooth sailing that life will always just be easy. Life is peachy when we come to following him. That's not what he promises us. Instead, what we see even play out here, Jesus promises to be with us. 
in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the craziness that he's there with us. Courage is found in the presence of Jesus, even in the middle of the storm. Peter walks on water. How? I don't know. It's a miracle. But he does. Peter walks on water, but that what it does is it teaches us as well that in the middle of the storm, we can have peace. We can have courage if we keep our eyes on Jesus. What happens to Peter the moment he takes his eyes off of Jesus? He sees the storm. He, he sees the wind. He sees the waves. He sees what's going on, going, there's no way that I should be doing this right now. He takes his eyes off Jesus, and what happens? He begins to drown. Our doubts, if we allow our doubts to overwhelm us and to control us, we very quickly can find ourselves drowning in our doubts because we've taken our, our doubts and put that in place of what Jesus, who he is and where he should be. Our doubt, when we lean in, the, the storms, when we lean in, can actually become the greatest catalyst to our faith. Don't get so focused on the storm. In other words, don't get so focused on your circumstances that you don't see Jesus in the middle of it. What we need to remember is Jesus is bigger than the scariest of storms. The second thing I want us to see in this is that faith grows when we step out of the boat. Faith grows when we step out of the boat. I, I like comfort. My guess is you do too. Like when we came here this morning and the team was setting up, guess what? The air conditioning wasn't working in here. And we were all sitting there going, this is not good. Like we like comfort. I like AC. Like there are certain things that I, I, I can do without, but if I have the choice, I'm going to choose comfort. My guess is you do too. We like predictability. We like safety. And, and those things aren't bad things. But our tendency is we overinflate our desire for those things, and then when we lose those things, we begin to question God. Right? God, I, I, this isn't the way I thought it would be. I thought this would be a little bit easier. I didn't think I would have to do this. I didn't think I'd have to give up that. I didn't think I'd have to give my free time. I didn't think I, I mean, the list can go on and on and on. But when all of a sudden the comfort, the predictability, those things that we love, those things that we cherish, when they're not right there, we question reality. We question God. We question our value. We question our purpose. And again, the, the list goes on and on. Now hear me out. Sometimes Jesus is going to ask you to take a risk. He's going to ask you to trust him. And sometimes that means you have to be willing to get out of the boat. Just because the waves around you seem big and terrifying doesn't mean that God isn't in it. Christians, it, it, hear me out here. Don't settle for safe. Don't settle for safe. I, I think one of the problems that has hurt the local church, not just here, but the church in general, is 
especially in America, is we want safety first and foremost over everything else. The most humiliating moment of my life happened on my first trip to India. I went to rural, central India. I had been asked to go and participate and do some training with some local pastors. These were all church planters. There were supposed to be 25 in the room. Each of them, get this, oversaw four churches. They literally go on motorcycle to one church, preach, go to the next church, preach, and that was their entire Sunday. And then during the week, they would try to maintain and care and do what they could do to, to keep things. And I was excited. I'd never been to India. I like the food. I mean, I'm just sitting there like, this will, this will be a great trip. And I came in, and they have 25 chairs set up, and only 24 pastors showed up. And they begin to talk, and, and, and I, I'm like, hey, tell me a little bit about what it's like to plant a church and start churches in India. And that was kind of my segue in. And they began to share, and they began to tell stories. And, and I'm like, oh, I, 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 it's way different here. And then all of a sudden, one pastor says, yeah, and he talks about the empty chair. He says, that pastor was recently kidnapped. He was kidnapped by Hindu radicals, and they asked him to denounce his faith in Jesus. And he wouldn't do it. And they forced him to drink acid. And three of them in the room said, yeah, we found him. They had chopped him up and put him in a five-gallon bucket. And, and, and in that moment, like, my jaw is hanging down. Like, it, I mean, I'm having to pick it up off the ground. And one after another, they began to talk about, if God would only give me the privilege to die for him like that. I was humiliated. And I realized very quickly in that moment, I have a lot to learn from them about this idea of what it means to follow Jesus. Don't settle for safe. If our tendency in our own personal prayer life is the first thing that comes out of our mouth is God keep me safe, you're missing the point. Christianity, Jesus never promised us safety. He didn't promise us that this would be easy. When we see our world going towards hell and making these decisions and things crashing down on the local church, we should go, yeah, this is the way Jesus said it is going to happen. Instead of crying out for safety every time that we open up and we begin to pray, maybe our prayer needs to be more centered on, God, you show me what I'm supposed to do and give me the courage to actually do it. Give me the courage, like Peter in this moment, a willingness to step out of the boat is incredible. Even in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the wind, in the midst of the waves, he steps out of the boat. And you know what I think is interesting? I bet Peter told that story the rest of his life. Believe it or not, I walked on water. It was very short, but I walked on water. It was incredible. I was out there in the middle of the night, and Jesus came walking to me. We thought it was a ghost. It was scary. There's this huge storm, and I'm talking a storm. I'm a fisherman. I know storms. But Jesus said, hey, why don't you come out of the boat? Come, and I did it. I bet you he told his grandkids. I mean, he wanted everybody to know about that moment 
That moment would never have happened if Peter played it safe. Just like Peter, sometimes we'll step out of the boat and then be overcome by fear, though. We get overcome by our doubts. We begin to sink. But I want you to see when you cry out to Jesus, Jesus is right there. Jesus is there to catch you. You might struggle, but you won't drown. My guess is the next time Peter stepped out of the boat, he did so with more faith, more confidence, more trust in Jesus, in, in who Jesus is. From my own experience and what I've watched in my life and what I've seen in so many other people's life, your faith will too that when you take that step and you do something that you didn't think you could do and you see God show up in your life and use you in ways you never thought he would use you, your, your faith will grow. You will become more confident in those moments. The more steps that you take, I wish I could tell you the easier it gets. I feel like God sometimes just asks us to take bigger steps. So I'm not going to promise you it's going to get easier but you'll have more confidence in knowing that you've experienced Jesus showing up when you needed him to show up. Once you see God's faithfulness, it's easy to trust him more and more. The third thing we see here, when we take our eyes off Jesus, it is easy to find ourselves drowning in our doubt. Peter's walking on water, it was something that was short-lived. It was short-lived because he took his eyes off Jesus. Peter learned an important lesson that day that that I don't think he ignored ever again and I don't think we should ever ignore when we take our eyes off Jesus the storms of life quickly overcome us and, and we find ourselves drowning in our questions we drowning in our doubts and as a pastor just as I began this conversation today I've seen this over and over and over again. When Christians stop looking to Jesus, they find themselves quickly drowning. It's easy in those moments to get sucked in to different temptations that exist. It's easy to get overwhelmed by life. We, we forget who's really in control. Sometimes we find it's easier just to, to walk away with and lean into our doubts than to actually continue to walk with God in the midst of our doubts. There's an important question that Jesus asked Peter there right at the end of the verse that we finished off with, and it was simply this. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Like Peter, just moments ago, you witnessed you participated in seeing 5,000 people fed miraculously through a couple loaves of bread and a couple fish. You saw that we had plenty. You just watched me walk on water to your boat. Peter. Peter, why, why did you doubt? I think Peter's had a bum rap sometimes. I think there's more of us in the room that are like Peter 
But I don't think Peter in this moment, I don't think Jesus is actually rebuking Peter. I think this is more of an invitation than it is an accusation. In the question itself, as Peter is drowning in his doubt, Jesus comes to him in the middle of his doubt. And, and I almost see it in a picture, like when you see Jesus, he's gracious, he's truthful, he's loving. He, he walks by those that have been alienated by society. I, I almost picked picture in this moment. Jesus is smiling. He's kind of, he's inviting Peter in. He's like, Peter, bro, why are you doubting? Like, come on, man. All that you've experienced, all that you've witnessed, all that you've seen me do, all the teaching, you've seen the blind people see, You've seen the deaf people here. You've seen those healed from leprosy. You just witnessed 5,000 people being fed. Come on, bro. But why did you doubt? Why, why, why are you doubting? Why is your faith little right now? What if this isn't a rebuke? What if this isn't an accusation and it's more of an, invita an invitation? But Peter, come in closer. Come in closer. Let me help you in the midst of that. See, life is full of storms. Big storms. Some storms that will destroy everything in their path. Unless you keep your eyes on Jesus. With Jesus, with Jesus, you can't, you will more than just endure you have the opportunity to walk on water above the storm. Friends, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Create some disciplines in your life that will help you do that. One of the things for me that I like to do is I open up my Bible app the moment I get up and even just read a quick verse on my phone. And the way I think about it is Bible before phone. Bible before phone. Now, I know it's a little bit weird, but I like reading my Bible on my phone, so I'm still doing it on my phone, but the idea is I, I'm, I'm going to read Scripture first just to set my direction, set my point, set my view to make sure it's grounded. I want to see Jesus in every area of my life. The end of the story here. I, I'm so glad Matthew didn't leave the story right there. But when we get to verse 33, 32, 33 here, this is what it says. It says, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those, get this, those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, truly, you are the Son of God. Maybe the most important Message, the most important lesson from this moment that Matthew captures isn't necessarily Peter walking on water. It's the power of Jesus. It's the power of Jesus. And when you witness the power of Jesus, what was their natural inclination? 
worship. To worship. When we encounter Jesus in his power and we see his play in our lives, our natural inclination should be the same. It should be to worship him. Matthew intentionally highlights this moment because that's the point. The story wasn't about Peter. The story is not about his faith or the lack thereof. Ultimately, the story is about the power of Jesus. Our response to Jesus needs to be the same as the disciples. When we encounter him, it should bring us to a place of worship. It should remind us of who we are, what I'm lacking, I'm not God, but I know who is. And so our natural tendency is we, da- we bow down and we worship him. As we begin this series, my challenge to all of you is, in the midst of your questions, in the midst of your doubt, lean into God. Be willing to step out of the boat, even in the midst of the storm. Say, God, I'm here. I'm surrendered. Whatever you're asking me to do, my answer is yes. You show me the how, you show me the when, you show me the what, but I want to follow you. Let me follow you. And the good news is, you're not alone. This is why church is so important. This is why being here, being in small groups, serving together, doing things life outside of just this room, life change, transformation, honestly, happens better in circles than it does in rows anyways. So we need each other to encourage us because I have bad days. I know you have bad days. Who's speaking truth? Who's being that encouragement to continue to step out in faith when we have those moments? We need each other. Let me pray with you. Lord, we love you very much. And we need you desperately in our lives. God, continue to guide us, continue to direct us. Those moments where it's hard to know what are we to do I pray, Lord, that you give us courage to take the steps towards you. And in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the things that are unpredictable in life, we're human. Our our tendency is to look here and there, to focus on the storms. But God, help us to stay focused on you, I pray. In your mighty name.